presented by Dash Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you all had a great week. Raj, how are you doing, buddy? I hope you had a good week as well. I'm doing well. We're back. Championship, right? No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm packing for my you know, trip out to Vegas tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, getting ready for that. How are you, man? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I'm pretty annoyed, to be honest with you, man. Like, this this was, like, probably one of the worst things. This is the this is the worst team you could see on the schedule after a night like Wednesday for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of the biggest reasons is, you know, success against a bad team is not the same as success against a good team. This is one of the biggest things that I talk about with the high school players that I coach. You know, like I have a young athlete on my team who frequently when we play against bad teams will make a lot of plays by gambling and getting out of position. But because he's a better athlete than some of the guys on a bad team, he'll have some success. But then we'll play against a good team and you do that same gamble and the guy does a behind the back dribble and he leaves you in the dust and he's going all the way to the rim. You know, and I was worried coming into this game. I'm like, okay, Frank's going with the same strategy. And this is kind of what I was hoping wouldn't happen. The starters actually did pretty well. You know, the bench play lineups didn't do as well. And I thought a huge part of that was just because it's Mm -hmm. the Orlando freaking magic. Because that was one of our worst (laughs) efforts of the season. So that part was frustrating. And then it's about habits, right? Like it's, it's, it becomes very sloppy. Like, we're about to play a team on Sunday that is a bona fide championship contender. And so what's unfortunate is you the, some of the things that you do against the Orlando Magic in a sloppy game like that, like just the sheer number of botched switches and missed rotations, lazy passes, lazy full-court passes, lazy cross-court passes, all that sort of just unsound, fundamentally sloppy basketball that we played tonight in a win um, is going to be the thing that gets us killed by 25 on Sunday. So that part was really concerning. We're not going to talk too much about this game tonight for that very reason, uh, but we, we'll talk about it for a second, of course. But we're going to talk a little bit about um, some frank rotations and ideologies, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this trade, this potential John Wall for Russell Westbrook trade that Mark Man. Stein reported today. Uh, but Raj, what, what's your what's your quick overhead takeaway <laughs> from this game? Are you as irritated by the sloppiness as I was? Well, you, you know, you texted me and we were texting back about topics. I was like, the Orlando Magic are just terrible, right? They're just a really bad team. And, you know, you said bad. That's probably putting it nice. Uh, they're just a really struggle of an offense, though. I think they have the worst offense in the league. We gave up 62 to them in the first half. Uh, just a lot of weird coverages. Again, staying in that, you know, drop coverage. Even when we went small, I thought they got going with that. Leaving shooters wide open. I thought we got lucky on some of those as well. We came back and won this one. Like, this is not something, you know, we're not really in position to be picky about wins either, but I just didn't have any feel about this one. I told you as well, this felt like, you know, it just uh, delayed the inevitable, which is like another kind of fire type of game, uh, another super chaotic game where we lose by 30 or something to a good team. This is just felt like a layover game. Like, it's just... It's you, a layover. It, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah you, you did your job here. You came back on... Your Orlando Magic aren't just bad. They're 8 and like 38, which like I think you have to try to be that bad. Like and they have some talent. Like I li- I like Franz Wagner. Like I think he's a nice player, but um yeah, they're just a struggle of an offense. They went over the top on Russell Westbrook screens, which, you know, uh, almost no other team does. Like there's just a lot <laughs> of stuff that, you know, Orlando's does that's just not replicable to uh, other squads. So, that's the main point I think in this Orlando game. They did their job. LeBron I thought again came through offensively. Super lazy start, though. And that's what I wanted to see, man. I was hoping to see some urgency after the art- all the articles we got about, like, you know, the three straight, you know, articles that dropped, the quotes that came out, yada, yada, the Frank Vogel, Russell Westbrook stuff. I was expecting some urgency in that first quarter, and I just didn't see it. I, I saw guys going through the motions. Maybe that's just because you're playing the Orlando Magic, Orlando Magic 
uh, but we're what, like 500, I think now, or, or maybe a game under above it. Uh, but yeah, I was hoping for some urgency and I didn't see it. But there were some, some things. We, we started Stanley Johnson in the second half. I think that's like, you know, a point in the good process direction. Uh, he played 14 minutes that first half, only six minutes in the second. I think that was more towards because Carmelo was just on fire. You got an Inferno Carmelo game. Again, I don't know what to take from that. You got Avery Bradley hitting step back jumpers to start the third quarter. Don't know what to take from that. Just a game that I'm I'm not really sure much you can take from uh, from this one. Yep, no, 100% agree. The two things that I wrote down as uh, meaningful takeaways were Stanley Johnson shooting. There was a really interesting point. I think it was by our friend Alex Regla, who mm-hmm. was uh, who was tweeting out some uh, details from a Players Tribune article that uh, Stanley Johnson wrote when he was a rookie, talking about how difficult the NBA is, and mm-hmm. that kind of he kind of connected that to uh, um, a recent interview where Stanley Johnson basically was talking about how Masai Ujiri looked him in the face and was like, "You suck, man." not good enough (laughs) yeah and like how that was just kind of like a a wake-up call for him and you know we've seen video Mm -hmm. footage of him working hard with Phil Handy and you know the truth of the matter is is like a lot of every every I think every player that's gifted with a certain amount of athletic ability reaches that point at some point in their career where they're like hey I gotta take the skill development a little more seriously and it seems like Stanley's there obviously it's one game a long way to go but the way he's handling the basketball the way he's making decisions the way he's shooting I think is absolutely a positive we could take. And then the other thing was Mello, you know, like, you know, I thought it was really stupid that they played him for 30 minutes the other night. That goes without saying, but if there was one Mm -hmm. positive in that, it was, or the reason why I should say the motivation for it is like, Hey, Mello's one of the best spot up shooters in the league. So we got to get him back out there. We got to get him reps because when he does get it going, he can help you win basketball games. Now that doesn't change you and I, in our opinion, how he should be used. He should be used in limited quantities. It should be maybe mm-hmm. one or two shifts a half, short bursts, make it so that he's playing around defensive uh, pit players that are capable of covering for his defensive shortcomings, like stop putting him at center. Like there's a bunch of that kind of stuff that we could talk about, but I'm happy with the fact that Mello is shooting better. That's definitely a, a positive step in that direction. But I wanted to, so really quickly, because, you know, um, I think the, what happened to Orlando tonight is another interesting example as we as we get to this first idea of, of scheming. You know, Orlando, the, the announcers for the Lakers were really talking trash about how unorganized the Magic offense was. But a huge part of that was the switching, uh-huh. which is the thing that we've been talking so much about. When you switch screens, it basically renders any defense or any offense defunct. And you'd see it like they would – you know, Jalen Suggs would come off a pin down and then there's somebody already waiting for him because of the switch. Right. And then Jalen Suggs would have to flare out to half court to catch the ball and he'd kind of turn and take two dribbles. And then here comes Mo Bamba to set a screen and he'd come off the screen for Mo Bamba. But oh, there's Stanley Johnson. He just switched onto him. And you could tell Jalen Suggs is like, uh, what do I do? And so then they kind of like throw it around. And Franz Wagner was like the only one big enough and athletic enough to try to create his own shots. So you'd usually see him try to put the ball on the floor and make something happen. Now, obviously, against a bad team it's going to look way more effective than it would against a good team but that same concept does translate against good teams that i that ability to make teams shoot over the top of contests rather than funneling them to the paint is a huge difference between those two defensive schemes and i'm such a huge believer in it i have no idea why frank is so hesitant to accept it now it can get sloppy like you guys saw tonight there was there's a big play in the first half uh on the on a three that i think put orlando up uh, that put them up 10 where Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves and THT were all 
in a cluster and they had almost like a flex action with like three offensive players in the same screen and mm-hmm. they miscommunicated and someone got left wide open. That kind of thing can happen from time to time. But if we practice it, if we lean into it and we use it more often and we give our guys a chance to perfect it, it can be something that we can depend on in the postseason. So I want to see, I just want to see Frank lean into that more, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I thought, you know, someone brought up a good point. I forgot who it was um, that said that, you know, we run these like drop coverage kind of schemes because it might be what we run when Anthony Davis is back, right? And so we want to kind of keep that structure together. It's why, you know, Avery Bradley starts maybe, but I just don't think we're in position to do that. And definitely like, I don't know how high our ceiling is, I guess, with this type of team, with these type of defenders, but I know the floor uh, is pretty low, right? Especially when we're not running the correct stuff, when we don't have the correct lineups and, you know, we got the Vogel Russ stuff going back and forth, but, you know, these lineups and stuff have to kind of make sense. And I would like to see more switching. I think Stanley needs to play like 30 minutes a game right now. And that's crazy for a guy on a 10 day, but we just need an athletic dude next to LeBron. I think Dwight can still, you know, sit as the backup center uh, in a lot of nights, but you're right, man. Like, I would hope we'd go to more switching, and I think it's really clear, right? We were down 10, I think, at half, no, down 8 at halftime. We go into third quarter. Put, we start Stanley, and again, we go on a 19-2 run, I believe. I think I wrote that down correctly. 19-2 run, uh, just by going small against a team like Orlando. Who's our just, worst players, by the way? Mike yeah, Johnson. <laughs> right, and because, you know, Orlando, and like, this is, I think, the my bigger kind of point on this. We need to start coaching night to night. Like, I get we have seasonal goals to kind of you know, pick on and we can do that when AD comes back. But we're in a situation where we need to rack up wins and we need to have a belief from the players to the, you know, coaches that are walking in unison that believe in the stuff they're doing. And I feel like, I don't know, I wrote this down for my like few notes. I felt like our energy picked up when we started switching, right? There was like a a tangible like energy shift uh, in all the players. And I think that just lends to the kind of personnel that we have. Uh, We have guys that are kind of better that way. You don't want Russell Westbrook chasing all the time over the top of screens. This is not that type of defender. He's not a good defender in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's that works well when Dwight Howard's playing. But, yeah, man, I think we need to go more small, especially a team like Orlando that doesn't have a guard that's really going to punish you uh, on switches. They hunted Melo a bit, but we talked about he was Inferno. And when he's when he's doing that, you can kind of play him in those lineups. Uh, but, yeah, I don't not much really to take from this one, man. Uh, LeBron was great. He torched a terrible Orlando defense. Russell Westbrook was good tonight. Like, he had a really good floor game. Got to the rim, took some questionable three-point shots, which is going to happen. Took some one-leg fadeaways. Um, that's just part of his, you know, <laughs> uh, shot selection repertoire. But, you know, I, good floor game. Got to the rim, was able to – they picked on Cole Anthony a lot tonight because the, the Orlando Magic did not want to switch Cole Anthony onto LeBron or Russ. Uh, so they kind of picked on that to get, get to get open actions. But Russ was good tonight. We got to see it against or, uh, Miami, of course. Uh, but, yeah, like there's not really much to take from this one, man. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. So we wanted to, uh, you know, Mark Stein reported today that the there was one team that would for sure be interested in uh, a trade for Russell Westbrook if draft compensation was involved. Now, I tend to think that when push comes to shove and we get closer to the deadline, that there will actually be a couple of options there. They may not all be good options, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but this John Wall concept, I wanted to oh, shoot, shoot this down uh, immediately. And I'm going to use my, I'm going to be a little self-deprecating here and use myself as an example. Have you guys seen some of these videos of John Wall playing pickup lately? And like, you know, there's, there's athleticism and then there's real athleticism. Like you guys see a video of me at an LA fitness, like dunking or running up and down the floor. And I look pretty athletic compared to those guys. I'm not anywhere remotely close to an NBA level athlete. You guys have no idea what these guys can do. 
And when I see these John Wall videos, I look at that guy and I'm like, man, you look like you should be at an LA Fitness. <laughs> like he, he looks overweight. He looks slow. He still can't shoot. I think he was at like six attempts and 32% last year in Houston. Uh, there's, there's just the, the idea of swapping Russell Westbrook for John Wall to me <laughs> is like the equivalent of cutting Russell Westbrook. <laughs> like there's just, there's no advantage there. John Wall certainly doesn't fit into what we're trying to do. That would be like trading a really, really big problem for another really, really big problem. I just, I just don't get that one. And we can get to in a minute what I would classify as a good Russell Westbrook trade in the platter of crap that we're going to have to choose from. But I can say one thing for absolute certain, John Wall is not the move. Uh, what was your initial uh, uh, takeaway when you, when you saw that? I mean, this team could use prime John Wall. <laughs> like like that's a yeah. that's a you know that would be a, a viable thing they could also use a prime russell westbrook um none of those two are on the table none of those two are available um i think houston will also ask for a first round pick back i just don't think that's realistic i've been on the like uh, these last few days have been the closest i've seen like a oh man maybe you know like a small short percentage chance that a russell westbrook trade could happen I know, but it I'm looks like swaying you a little bit <laughs> i don't know about <laughs> Of that, but but yeah, like I still don't see it happening. I think Russell Westbrook is going to be on the team. Look, tonight probably delayed the real type of conversations that you're going to have with that, this type of stuff. Uh, it's much easier to ignore it after a win, no matter who the win is against. Uh, you know, you have all these happy kind of quotes that are going to come out tonight, of course, after a win. That just makes sense. Are we going to delay um, an inevit inevitable kind of thing that's going to happen? But yeah, I don't think John Wall, uh, that just to me, like you said, it's like cutting Russell Westbrook. That's exactly what it is, right? That's just what it is. John Wall is a guy you don't have to play. Like, he wasn't here in the beginning. He wasn't part of the story of this team, right? You want to trade Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Maybe you get, you know, some type of backup productive guy. I don't know what John Wall has been doing these last, you know, months without playing. But, yeah, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I, I, understand, I understand it from Houston's perspective. Like, yeah, we'll get a free first-round pick for a guy we're telling not even to come to game. I don't know if he's at games or not. Uh, for a guy pretty much sitting at home, like, we'll take a first-round pick for that. Uh, that makes sense. Absolutely. For on Houston's <laughs> hands. But, yeah, for the Lakers, that – and I just – I wouldn't be able to sit with that. I mean, trading what we traded to trade that for John Wall four months later is just – I know you said there's no – you know, there's no winning in, in having a prideful kind of feel about this. But this would be a bad look. I, don't, I think you got to at least give this the chance – it deserves, you know, like even if it well, hasn't looked pretty so far. Well, when I look at like a potential Russell Westbrook trade, I look at it as like kind of like a similar vibe to some of the moves that the Cavs made in 2018. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're acknowledging that this isn't working. You're giving the other guy an opportunity to go be happy elsewhere. Right. Like let's be, let's face it. Like under all this pressure in LA with all of the, you know, the, the Laker fan base, I, you know, there's a lot of like stuff about the Laker fan base and them being, you know, kind of crazy. They're, they're crazy in number, without a doubt, but every fan base can be crazy. But the Lakers are just an extremely loud fan base because of how many of them there are. And, you know, Russ is under a lot of pressure. Every time he has a rough night, every time he has a bad highlight, it becomes a meme that gets shared thousands and thousands of times on the Internet. Like, it's tough here. And there's a, there's a case to be made that, you know, he might be happier somewhere else, you know, and that's where you look at it from his perspective. Our friend Roosh came on the podcast last week uh, with me and reported from his connections in, in, when Russ was in Houston that he, Russ basically went to upper management and said, like, I care more about having the ball in my hands than winning. Like, that's basically what he said. And I think you can kind of see that a little bit in his demeanor this year with things like him talking about how he's been utilized in the offense um, in press conferences, despite the fact that we all have eyes 
and we see we see what Russ has been doing on the floor. I mean, I saw that article that came out yesterday talking about how like the Lakers went small ball to help LeBron and Russ is trying to figure out how to fit in. I wanted to be like, are you guys are you guys kidding me? Like Russ is a big athletic point guard who puts his head down and goes to the rim, can't succeed in a small ball five out attack. Like, come on, man. Like, how can you possibly blame that on the situation and not on Russ? They literally did that in Houston for him. The exact same thing they did in Houston for him. The reason why Russ hasn't succeeded in this system is because Russ has declined as a basketball player. It is nothing other than that. Has nothing to do with touches. Has nothing to do with the way he's been utilized. Yeah, you could argue some stuff with spacing, but the Lakers have you know, leaned into shooting in a lot of ways, and most of their spacing concerns have to do with Russ. And if you want to tell me how is it that this system that's geared towards LeBron you know, is, is hurting these other players. And why is Malik Monk look so comfortable in offense? Like, I just don't buy any of that. So Russ isn't working out here. He'll be happier somewhere else. So from that angle, it's, it's just about, it's about accommodating him. Similar to the way in 2018, the Cavs accommodated Dwayne Wade by sending him to Miami where maybe he wasn't going to win as much, but he could be happier. That's kind of the way that I look at it from that perspective. Now, looking at trade return, there are bad contracts in the league. Not many as bad as Russ's. The John Wall contract is on the short list. I'd probably put John Wall's contract as the worst and Russ's at second. But there are some others that are nearly as bad. Maybe not in terms, uh, in terms of how much they're paying and how bad the player is, but in length. This is where your uh, contracts like Tobias Harris come in. And there are dozens of contracts like this around the league. But just think about it. What ends up happening with those types of players is franchises are put in a hard spot. Player plays pretty well. He's in a contract mm-hmm. year. You have a, a problem. You can either pay for the guy, overpay for him, for him to stay, or you can let him go and you lose him for nothing. This is like the J.R. Smith or the Tristan Thompson contracts when they were in Cleveland. When, you, when you're trying to contend, you end up having to overpay for guys just to keep the team together. And there, and there are a bunch of contracts like that in the league. And so when push comes to shove, there's going to be a GM out there that's going to look at their roster and be like, man, like, I don't like these guys. They're tied up for three or four years. Maybe I take on Russ, who I also don't like, but he can come in here and he can have fun and he can do his thing. And then I have flexibility in the next season. Maybe you could literally, if you had to, you could find some way to to move his contract the following season because now it's an expiring, right? So because Russ's contract becomes less complicated at that point so my point is what is what is J.R. Smith what is that type of deal what is like Otto Porter Jr. when he was in Chicago these kinds of big bloated deals what are they they're overpaid players but they're useful players they're overpaid they might be in a bad situation but they're still good NBA players where Russ may not be that anymore so in terms of improving the team what I would look for is two or three bloated contracts in that 10, 15, 20 million dollar range that can add up to what Russ is that in their current situation are flawed, but with the Lakers in a winning concept, they might be able to contribute again, at least more so than what Russ is doing. It's going to be difficult to find. It may come down to the wire. There are going to be mm-hmm. people out there looking for something better until that very moment. But that's the kind of trade that I would look at with Russell Westbrook as useful rather than here's John wall. You know what I mean? Does that, does that make sense? Like, I just, I think like, I think there are overpaid guys out there that still bring value and that 
that just maybe are stuck in a bad situation where their, their GM doesn't believe in them, their coach doesn't believe in them, and with the Lakers, they could be reinvigorated a little bit. Yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong there. That's probably the way to go. I just think that's more like a dream scenario, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> trading Russ for, you know, uh, players that contribute. Like, I think that'd be really tough. I think you're going to more get into the other Albatross contracts in the league, and that's why I don't even really like to even get into this because I don't think it's happening. But, you know, maybe Tobias Harris is the one that's been floated around. I just, you know, I don't see Philly doing that. I don't understand that from them. And then you go around the league, it's just tough, especially in the middle of the year, especially with the playing game now. You have a bunch of teams who think, they can, you know, have a shot at making the playoffs that aren't really going to be sellers, right? There's going to be a lot more, I believe, buyers on, you know, in this, excuse me, in this, like, trade deadline. So you even have, like, a team like the Pelicans who started awful who, you know, think they have a, you know, puncher's chance at the play-in. So that's why I just don't see it. I think we're going to have to try to fit Russ in. And now the only, my only caveat to this is, like, if this road trip goes, you know, like, really south, like, there's a chance that, you know, you get into that situation of, like, cutting bait. But, and this Orlando game kind of delayed that, of course, but we're about to get into some really good teams. I think we can kind of come back to this uh, during that time and kind of be like, okay, is there time to cut bait? Is the, co- uh, is the coaching staff gone? Like, that stuff then that you can get into rush trades. But I think for now, he's going to be here. Again, your scenario of trading him for other contracts of, you know, overpaid players, but they're playable players, right? That's the difference. There's a, a lot of guys who are overpaid and also you can't play. And I think that's more of the situation you get to with Russell Westbrook and I'm not a cap guy at all and stuff like that, but $44 million. It's a lot to get to. That's a lot of players or that's one player that if he's going to be, if he makes that much and he wants to be moved, then obviously there's an issue uh, on that team. So I just, I just don't see it. And hopefully, you know, Russ can kind of figure his lane out here. I've talked about before, we're moving him so much more off the ball. He's getting way less, you know, on-ball touches. All his stuff is isolation. We've pretty much taken away the pick-and-roll possessions that he has. So everything is a come up the left of the floor. Um, if he has a one-on-one, the whole other team's clears to the right side. He gets an isolation there. And Orlando Magic's a team that doesn't have guards that can really, you know, uh, physically match up with him. You know, uh, guys like Cole Anthony, et cetera, just can't stop him from getting to the rim. And I thought that's why he had a, you know, a good game tonight. Uh, but yeah, we'll see with Russ, man. I think this road trip will be very telling, though. These next five games, they have five more on the road here uh, against. You know, I think they go to they play Brooklyn and then Miami and then uh, and then Philly as well, I believe, on this trip. And so this Charlotte, trip, and, and then I think there's one more. I can't remember. Yeah, so I think you know this road trip will tell us a lot in terms of where the teams, uh, where the team goes to, goes from from here. So this Orlando Magic game, like I said, kind of delayed. Uh, what I think is an inevitable, very important conversation that this team is about to. But Jason, if they go five five and zero, like six, if they go six and zero on this road trip, uh, then we also have different conversations, right? Like I, I think you know that that's probably unlikely, but but I'm saying yeah, like that's, that's about as likely as the Lakers <laughs> signing me to a ten day rush. <laughs> uh, for sure, uh, uh, but 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 that's the conversation we're gonna have here. Yeah, you know, it's like, and this has been my thing from the beginning with with Russ is you know because I've seen a couple people talk today about like hey like I think the Lakers are going to wait to see what this looks like with Anthony Davis before they make a move now they will by virtue of them having to because Mm -hmm. if I'm a team that's going to trade for Russell Westbrook and get an asset uh in return you know like whether that's a first round pick or if it's a first round pick anti-HT or whatever it is that 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 looks like in order to take on Russell Westbrook chances are like that's way down on my list and I'm going to be looking for something else. And it's going to be like a, you know, midnight type of deal right when the deadline hits, like that's the kind of deal that this will be like, I Russ isn't going to be moved tomorrow. It's going to be, he's going to be moved at the deadline. So you're going to get to see what he looks like with this anyway. But 
I am of the opinion that, like, if you've been watching this team this year, and if you've been watching the way Russell Westbrook plays, and you've been watching what he brings to the table as a basketball player at this point in his career, and you think Anthony Davis coming back is going to be what puts him back on track, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you guys. Because, yes, the lineups with LeBron, Russ, and AD without a center have done okay this year. Um, I say okay because typically a, a lineup with LeBron and AD should utterly destroy teams. Um, but and the sample is just too low. Sample is just too low. Sample is too not... low. Sample yeah. is too low, and we play bad teams. And so then I uh, so as just you know our job, Raj, you know, looking at this as analysts is like, hey, like what what's what's he going to do when that happens? Because you've been talking a lot about how they've been pulling Russ out of the offense a little bit, right? And kind of relegating him to support roles. Yeah. So that's only going to be further exacerbated by the Anthony Davis thing. Absolutely. So now now we're talking about like. Guys, like a lot of those botched switches tonight were Russ, you know, like two, two days after or one day after he told Woj, like, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win. Like I see him a lot not standing in a defensive stance and botching switches and things along those lines. And and all of the stuff that you see, the inability to finish around the rim, the inability to get a step on perimeter defenders, the way that these bigger forwards can shut him down when they switch or like when these teams have figured out that they just put bigger defenders on him. All that's just going to be exacerbated against the good teams, teams like Miami and Phil, like Raj, like if I had to ask you what kind of game you expected Russ to have on Sunday against the heat, what would you say? Yeah, no, I mean, it's more likely that he'd probably struggle, but I know that's right? why I think that's why I think we've seen the move that we have. And you're, you're totally right. When Anthony Davis comes back, it's going to exacerbate, you know, the issues of Russ being more off ball. But I think, that's where this team probably is at best. And you have to find a thin, a gray area, of course. You can't just, you know, relegate Russ to a full off ball because he's not a shooter, so he's not a threat there. Uh, but I think you're kind of seeing what it will look like. Even when Orlando started, you know, a little bit making their run tonight, it's just, you know, LeBron uh, at the top of the key, and he's running off. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of think about. But I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see. I think you have to see all three together at least a little bit, a little bit of a larger sample. I'd like to see what we can do to kind of make those three kind of work together. But, but you're right, man, it's been a struggle. So this is the last thing I'll say about it because, you know, part of the issue here is the egos involved, right? So you bench Russ at the end of the game and he allegedly, and there's been some conflicting reporting on this because Russ of course is upset that this is what was reported, but he tried to leave the floor. And apparently DeAndre Jordan ran over there and tried to like herd him back to the bench or something. Like, Russ didn't take well to being benched. So this is the other part of it, because I've heard people say this, like, oh, it'll be easier to move him in the summer. It'll be easier to move him in the summer. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely think it'll be easier to move him in the summer. Why? Because at that point, teams are just more willing to make trades. That's just a fact in the NBA. And then also, he's an expiring contract at that point. So now it's you're trading for cap space, effectively, right? But the thing here is the attitude, right? Because I think this year... When push comes to shove, when we're in our biggest moments, like we're in a first round playoff series against one of these top teams in the West and Anthony Davis is healthy and LeBron James is healthy, our best lineup will not include Russ, in my opinion, because of his skill set and his diminished athleticism. It will not include Russ. So Frank is going to have a really difficult decision. Am I going to bench Russ and deal with whatever comes with that, with the attitude or whatever? Or am I going to play him? and actively handicap the team. That's a tough decision to make. And so one of the advantages of trading him at this deadline 
is you get rid of any sort of angst or attitude or blowback from benching a super alleged superstar who makes 44 million. You know what I'm saying? So like that, that's kind of the thing. Cause clearly Frank thinks his best chance to win is with somebody like an Austin Reeves in that role, right? Somebody who's going to completely and thoroughly embrace the defensive responsibilities and on the offensive end, just spot up and attack closeouts. That's what Frank actually wants out of that role. And he's clearly been frustrated with the way Russ has played. So my thing is like, that's not going to change in a playoff series. So if you don't think Russ can fit that role in a playoff series, almost just purely based on the attitude, almost just purely based on the ego and any ramifications from benching him, you have to consider moving him now. Just, just because of that. I think it's too risky to keep him around and have that, that potentially be a wild card in a playoff series, a la Andre Drummond against the Suns, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, like, just to – not saying I disagree, but, like, you know, Russ shouldn't be happy he got benched. Like, that's that shouldn't happen. Like, Russ should be the one – he should be on, want to be on the floor, even if – and, look, against Orlando, you know, I don't think that was the reason. I don't think Russ was, like – no, or wherever we played. I forgot who we played, but where he got benched, but I believe it was Indiana. Uh, but, yeah, like, benching Russ I don't think was our issue. Our issue was defensively in that game, and Carmelo continued to get picked on defensively even when Russ got, took out. But I understand your point. Bron, like, I keep saying LeBron, AD, and three, you know – Play, uh, three and D guys is probably a winning formula no matter where you kind of go with that that's been a winning proven winning formula we have Russ in the rotation now like he's going to play he got benched you know against Indiana I think that's going to be very rare I feel like that was more of a like Vogel trying to send a like you, you need to play defense to be on the floor I don't care who that, you that are. was Vogel thought he was about to get fired that's what that was. <laughs> maybe, yeah maybe that too and and maybe this is just delaying maybe this Orlando game is just delaying that who knows but look Russ is going to be on the floor and there's things we have to kind of work on I think he can still push in transition he's not going to play the full role player role that's not going to happen with Russell Westbrook at all but can he take some ball handling duties out when 80s on the floor can we give him a Russell Westbrook has complained about and you know it's not it's obviously he has issues that are bigger than just lineups but he's complained about like his offensive role switching from lineup to lineup right he's kind of complained about that in terms of like one time I'm playing with Dwight Howard so like this, I have to run this way next time I'm playing with LeBron at center next time I'm playing with Stanley at center my my offensive duties kind of shift in those places right he's in the dunker spot he's in the weak side he's at the top and I think we're moving more and more to where he's off the ball but when he when AD comes back I think it's going to be Russ and AD running those you know back line, those second unit options and we have to try to find stuff that works there I just don't see a trade coming man I, I just really don't and if the only way is if you want to cut that bait, but I think that's an awful place just from like asset management. I hate using the word asset, but it's just you. I I just can't go that route yet. You know what I mean? Like we we've, we've seen 15 games of AD, Braun, and Russ playing together. Uh, we've seen 15 games of that. The rest are kind of sprinkled in with he's with AD or he's with LeBron because Russ has missed what I think one game or has he mm-hmm. not missed a game yet? So I think I, he's missed one. Or maybe he hasn't missed one. So that's I think what what we have to see first and I think the team is going to want to see that as well we saw Kendrick Nunn as well tweet about um he's trying to get back and you know these aren't saviors I think Trevor Reza come back coming back has opened a lot of eyes as well uh Trevor Reza was seen as like this wing savior and you know he looks like he's 46 instead of 36 sometimes uh but yeah it's gonna be interesting I just don't see a rest deal on the horizon here so I'm trying to I think the team as well Vogel as well trying to find things that work trying to have rust buy into a defensive, I like a defensive role in the next 40 games. And that's going to be this team's 
uh, issue here. You have to kind of fit him into our defensive lineups and our defensive schemes and everything we're doing. And Vogel has some faults in that as well. There's been low consistency. There's lineups that make no sense. Uh, Austin Reeves didn't play in the third quarter. And uh, again, Carmelo was on fire. So I guess that makes sense. But I think Reeves needs to start uh, putting all these lineups. Like there's stuff all around and Russ hasn't been great. Uh, but I, you know, that's just where we are. I, I don't see him going anywhere. And that's the, that's the pivot to me is where the team has to go to. Yep. No, I hear you, man. And if you're not willing to go there, I'll go there. for you. <laughs> no, All right, guys. So we're going to call it short tonight. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, this is going to be on our podcast feed here in about a half hour. As always, we appreciate your guys' support. Raj is going out of town. So for the next two games, I will try to find a replacement, probably be someone like Vinay. Um, so we'll be back for the Miami Heat game on Sunday, which I believe starts at five. Three, yeah. Three, some, three, three, three o'clock uh, Pacific time. So early one. All right, cool. Sounds Very good. So early. we'll see we'll see you guys on Sunday night right after the final buzzer against Miami. Thanks everyone.